Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Welcome to church. I'm so glad that you've decided to come. Uh, On behalf of our senior pastor, Dr. Mark Hartman, let me wish you a very Merry Christmas. And once again, say thank you so much for being here. If we hadn't had a chance to meet, my name is Xavier, and I get the privilege of being the campus pastor at our Missouri City campus. And every year during Christmas time, when we start our Christmas season, we start to rotate around the different campuses. And you always end up stuck with me first. But that way, it just progressively gets better, and I don't have to come in anybody's shadow, so it's easy for me. And and so Pastor Mark is out at our Richmond Rosenberg campus this week, and Pastor Tim is out at the Missouri City campus. And so once again, hopefully we can have some fun together today uh, as we start this new series. Uh, Before we start, I have to tell you something about me. I am very, very particular about what I say yes and what I say no to. And I probably ask more questions about normal decisions than your average person. For example, let's say my wife and I recently went out to eat and they say, hey, sir, would you like to try the special? The the obvious question afterwards is, okay, what is the special? And then yes or no. That's it, Xavier. Not that deep, super simple, but that's not me. I just like to ask a lot of questions. Hey, sir, um, uh, how long has this special been around? And are you planning on bringing this special back later? Because I need to know, like if I say no right now, will I have an opportunity to say yes if I come back in a few weeks? Okay, how popular has this special been? Have people been usurping their normal choice to go with your so-called special? Because if I say no to what I get every single time I come, I'm gonna be very disappointed if it's not good. Hey, if the GM is around, if you wouldn't mind asking them, um, how much money are y'all making off this special? Because if you're making a money off of it. I know it's coming back next season and I'm not going to miss out on it. And this is just me. I just, I ask a lot of questions. I just need to know before I say yes, I have a lot of questions. Uh, before I make a big purchase, I do research for months. Uh, just a lot of questions. Now me, my wife, we're really different. When it comes to something she wants, she's decisive. She doesn't have to do all of that research and figure out all of those silly questions that I ask, like how much it costs and all of those things. She doesn't care about any of that. I want it. We go get it. Uh, But I just have questions before I say yes, big, small, I just have questions. And here's what I would guess is that to some extent, the questions in your life and the answers in your life, when you say yes, you're the same way that if I invited you after church, hey, would you like to go out after church and eat with me and some other people? You probably are going to have some questions. Hey, why are you randomly inviting me and not everybody else? You ask me, hey, who all is going to be there? That's a question I ask a lot because I'm very social. I want to know what I'm getting myself into. Let me give you a secret for the social people. When you go out with a bunch of people, sit in the middle of the table. That way, if this side gets boring, you can kind of pivot a little bit and you can talk to this side. And if they get boring, then hopefully the person you sat in front of is better. If you get trapped in between, uh, never mind. The point is, you have some questions. Why me? Where are we going? Who's paying? What are we going to eat when we get there? You have all of these questions. If I ask you, hey, would you mind babysitting my son for me for, while me and my wife go on a date? You're like, hey, when are you guys going on a date? How long are you going to be gone? Are you going to expect me to cook? Are you going to provide his snacks? Are you going to bring me a change? You're going to have some questions before you say yes. And here's the point I'm making. The point about you, the point about me, it's actually the first point on your fill in the blank, is this, is that our yes normally comes with questions. Our yes normally comes with questions that most of us in the room, you will agree 
that before you say yes to something, before you put your yes out there and you're going to be held to your word and you're going to make a commitment to do something, especially if it may inconvenience you later, that you're going to have some follow-up questions that you need before you say yes. You would be normal in thinking that. And the truth is that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is no different. We just sang this song, Mary, Did You Know? And it really asked all of these questions that, Mary, did you have the answers to all of these questions before you said yes to God? And so we're going to read Mary's account, and Luke is written down in Luke chapter number one. Your sermon note says chapter number two, but that's my fault. And so it should say Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one, verse 30, we see this initial account of Mary when the angel comes and tells her that she is going to bear the Son of God. And I don't know about you, but I would have some questions. And so here we go. Let's read the account, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to interject whenever we get to a spot where I would have questions, okay? Luke chapter number one, verse number 30. It starts this way. It says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Pause, how did I do that? How did I find favor with God? I would like to know so that I can continue to do that. I just wanna make sure, was it a single moment? Was it a couple of years I've been finding favor? Like, was this always the case? I don't know, it's just random questions that pop into my head. What did I, okay, anyway. Uh, verse number 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. I got a question, does he have a middle name? Last night, I'm joking, I don't have, okay. That's just me, that's not the questions Mary had. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel this one follow-up question, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Very logical question. How can this happen? The angel replied, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Amen. The, the angel goes in and gives some more detail. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. And rather than asking another question, and rather than asking for a few more details, and rather than even asking, hey, what's Elizabeth got to do with me and this baby? Rather than asking any of those things, which is what all the questions I would have asked, Mary says this. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Think about this for a moment. Mary has no detail that you and I would probably want if we were going to say yes to something that is life-changing. Life-changing for me, life-changing for my soon-to-be, or for Mary's soon-to-be husband, life-changing for the family we might have wanted, life-changing for all the family we're going to interact with, all of our friends, life-changing. All of these things. Mary didn't ask any of those questions she has one question, God, how do you want me to accomplish your will? How do you want me to make this thing happen that you're asking me to do? And as soon as she found out how it was going to happen, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you have said about me come true. Mary says this, yes. 
And so when we reflect back on this song, the idea of Mary, did you know, the writer of the song said, hey, these are all the things I would have been pondering. And the truth is that we get a lot of our answers. That Mary didn't know that the blind would see, that the deaf would hear, and that the dead would live again. Mary didn't know all of these details about what the life of Jesus would look like. She didn't know all of these things and miracles that he would do. She probably had no idea about how the crucifixion would play out and all the pain and agony that he would experience and that she would experience as his mother. She didn't know what it would cost her family. She didn't know what it would be like raising him. Mary didn't know any of those things. And here's your feeling of blank. Mary didn't know everything, but she knew enough to say yes. And that's the deal. We see Mary essentially take this leap of faith that she has all of these questions and I'm sure they're popping up in her head. Well, well, am I going to have to raise this son of God? Am I going to have to bear this son of God? When is this son of God going to be born? Am I going to get special privileges because of this? Am I going to have to use my money to support the son of God? Because I think that God should be powerful enough to help me out here. Am I going to have to experience pain like everybody else? Because let me tell you something. She, there's no epidural. There's no ibuprofen. There's no uh, any of that stuff to, to help her out. I would have had all of these questions. Most of us would have all of these questions. But Mary didn't need all of those things. Mary said, hey, I know enough about God to say yes. That I trust God enough to say yes. And the question becomes, in your life and in my life, where are the moments that we are waiting to say yes to God? What are the things in your life that have been blocked, that you hadn't said yes to, that you hadn't been obedient in, parts of your life that you hadn't yet surrendered to God because you just have questions and you're waiting on all the answers and my encouragement to you and my encouragement to myself would be that you might not ever get all of those answers, but here's what I can tell you. I would tell you that you already know enough to say yes. Prove it to me, Pastor Xavier. Here's your fill in the blank. The gospel gives us enough to say yes. If you don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that you and I were irreparably broken, that you had no way of having a relationship with God. The New Testament said this way, that you were dead in your sins and trespasses. That, that means that you were stuck. You had no hope in this entire world outside of what you could influence and what you could touch. And let me tell you, you were not all powerful, all knowing. And, and so you lived with this fear and this pressure of what happens when I die? And this is, is this all for nothing? Is there a bigger picture? And eventually, without the intervention of the Lord, you would have died and experienced an eternity without the Lord. And that means an eternity without everything that he brings, an eternity with no love, with no no peace, no joy. You would be in an eternity of pain, suffering, mourning, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. This is what the Bible describes as hell. But the gospel is that in your lowest moment, when you did not deserve the love of God, in due time, Christ stepped in and took the penalty and punishment that you deserved and gave you his righteousness in exchange. And if you have said yes, to the gospel and to the salvation that Jesus Christ offers, you have experienced enough to say yes to every other part of your life. That if you and I 
can trust God that at the end of our lives, he will ultimately decide where we end up, then trusting him in our day-to-day situations should become easier. Romans chapter number eight, verse number 32 says it this way. says, since he, that's God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Doesn't that make sense? That if he would sacrifice his own son for you and for me, and if he was willing to give him up for us, doesn't it make sense that he would want what's best for us in every other part of our life? Doesn't it make sense that he loves you enough to bring you into heaven with him even though you don't deserve it? Doesn't it make sense that he wants what's best for your finances? Doesn't it make sense that he wants what's best for your business and your career? That if he wants what's best for you in eternity, doesn't it make sense that he wants what's best for your peace? Doesn't it make sense that he wants what's best for your marriage? Doesn't it make sense that he wants what's best for every other part of your life? And the answer is yes, that if I can truly say yes to the saving power of Jesus Christ and the gospel, then everything else becomes easier to say yes to. So Pastor Xavier, why? Why is it? Why is it that we don't say yes? Why is it that we don't do what God has called us to do? I'm actually very glad you asked. I think you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I think this is how I think about it. I think the reason we don't say yes is because when we hear something or we hear the plan of God or the purpose of God or we hear scripture that challenges us, that there are questions that we have in our own heart that block us from saying yes to God. And these questions form a barrier of sorts between the life we live now and the purpose that God would desire for us to walk out. And so God says, hey, I need you to do this thing. I want you to be obedient. You read part of the scripture and you want to walk towards what God has called you. But in the middle of trying to walk towards God, you start bumping into your own questions. You start bumping into your own doubts. And those things stop you from living out that life that God has called you to live. And as a result, here's what we settle for. We settle for living on this side of purpose. We settle for living on this side of the plan of God. We settle for living on this side of peace, on this side of joy. And we give up everything that the Lord has for us because the questions in our mind stop us from saying yes to doing doing things God's way. And there are five of these questions that I think stop our yes. They're very simple, but they are very powerful and strong when it comes to deterring us. And and the first question is this that I think stops our yes. The first question is how? God, how do you want me to do that? Now, here's the thing. There are two different types of how. There is the how that Mary asks. Mary says, okay, God, this is your plan. How do you want me to get it done? That's one how. Now, do you remember in Luke chapter one, the scripture we just read, the angel is talking about her uh, relative Elizabeth, who's about to have a baby. And it says, hey, she's also with child right now, who's eventually gonna become John the Baptist, who prepares the way for Jesus. Uh, Remember that? When the angel approaches Elizabeth and tells her, hey, you and your husband are gonna have a son, even though you have been considered barren, her husband speaks up and says, now how in the world are we gonna do that? 
How, how you think, and I'm paraphrasing now, but we this old, we haven't had a kid yet. How in the world do you think we're going to do that? And the angel tells him, hey, because you are doubting the plan of God, you are forced to remain silent until you see the promise that we're promising you. That's a whole nother sermon, by the way, that he had to deal with a punishment, but God still fulfilled the promise. Don't make me too happy. That's not this sermon. But, but the point is that he says, how do you expect me to do that? Mary's how is God, I want to do your will. Show me the way. His how is God, I don't see how that's possible. And let me show you how this question stops you and stops me from fulfilling what the Lord has called us to do in our lives. Last week, Pastor Ender stood up and he said, hey, the Lord has burdened some of your hearts to go on a missions trip, whether locally or internationally. And the first thing that, that, that you said to God wasn't, yes, God, I, I'll do it. The first question you said was, God, how in the world am I going to make time to go on a missions trip? And you stopped and you sat in your seat. And you didn't move. Even though there was a burning passion in your heart that the Lord was stirring up for you to say yes, you let the how question stop you from saying yes to God. You say, God, I know that your plan is for me to stay married to one man or one woman, but God, have you seen their attitude? How in the world do you expect me to do that? And so you start contemplating, should I leave? Should I start making the arrangements? Should I start slowly separating the bank accounts? They might be thinking about leaving me anyway. And you let the how question stop you from saying yes to the plan of God. But how do you expect me? to do that the Lord says I want you to be I want you to go first in reconciliation as a matter of fact he says hey if you're at the altar worshiping and you suddenly remember that somebody has a problem with you you go and be reconciled and then return to the altar but you say God you don't know what in the world they did to me this is them offending me God how do you expect me to just get over this and you hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and you let how stop you from going where the Lord has already told you to go and so the how is not a question that you've been asking as God how do I get this done it's God how do you possibly expect me to do this you're being preposterous and this question stops us from doing the will of God the second question that, that, that comes into our minds and this normally sneaks in in the form of doubt is God when God, how about this? You, you got stuff you want me to do, God. When are you going to do what you said? And when you tell me when you're going to uphold your end of the bargain, then maybe I'll move. The, the, why do I have to go first and be obedient to you before I see what you're going to do? God, you said you were going to provide for me and take care of my family. Why can't you provide and then I start tithing? God, when are you going to do what you said? And so even though there's a biblical mandate to be generous and to give, God, I'm not giving until I know when you're going to give back to me. I just want to do it. And I let when stop my yes. Let's go back to marriage, God. I feel like I'm supposed to be married. I've been single for some time, God, and I've been waiting, and I promise you I'm trying to wait in the way that you say that I should wait. But, God, I just want to know, when do you plan on sending me my spouse? Because, God, I got about two more years of this celibacy thing, and I'm going to let you know this win is going to stop my yes. Y'all don't want Y'all don't want the sermon. I should stop right now. Y'all don't want to talk for real. You don't want to talk about how these things really happen in our life. The, the when question stops us from being obedient to God. 
God, when am I going to see this peace that you've been promising, this joy that you've been promising? God, when I go in church and I feel what everybody else feels, then I'll put down alcohol. When you do what you said, then I'll do what you want me to do. And this when question stops us from living the life and walking into what God wants us to walk into. I can imagine Mary had this question, God, when? I can imagine Mary got, when is all of this going to happen? Am I going to get to live some of my life first? Or is now the rest of my life devoted to this yes that I've given you? I can imagine that she had that question. But Mary didn't need that answer to say yes to God. She said, I am your servant. Let everything that you have said about me come true. Not some of the things, God. I'm not holding a part of my life back from you. It's not yes to church, yes to all of this stuff, but then no to what you want my relationship life to look like. It's not yes to everything, God, but no to serving. It's not yes to everything, God, but no to living in community and under accountability. It's not yes to everything, but no to what you said about marriage. Mary said, let everything that you have said about me come true. I want to live on this side of my yes. I don't don't want to be held back by the questions in my life. The third question, I'll tell you, if I haven't got to the question you struggle with yet, I'm coming for you. I got three more chances. Um, I struggle with all of them, so I'm just, yeah. Anyway, I cried last night. And so um, that's why I can preach now. And and so the third question that that we ask that stops us from moving forward with God is God what? God, what is it going to look like? What does this mean? What is this going to cost me? What am I going to have to give up? God, is it going to be successful? God, you've been telling me. I've been in this business and in this industry for so long, and I've seen these people mistreat people, person after person after person after person. And God, I know I am equipped to start a business that changes the way this industry treats people. And I know I want to do it, but God, what is it going to look like? Because I don't want to leave my safe paycheck to do something that you've put, put, on, put on my heart because I just want to know in advance, what is this going to look like? God, does this mean I have to take a pay cut? God, God, does this mean that all of a sudden I'm not as comfortable as I was? God, I I just need to know what does this look like? And if you tell me what it's going to look like, then I'll say yes to you. But until then, I just just have some questions and and I'd be more comfortable living on this side of my yes. I'd actually be more comfortable missing out on what you have for me as long as I get to be comfortable in the process. I don't know why I've been talking about marriage and giving and all of that stuff, but, but some people in the room, you say, God, if I knew what they were doing with my money, I would give it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. You don't like me. You don't like me. I don't like me. And so I get it. I get it 100%. But this is how we think. I say, God, if I knew exactly where my exact dollar was going, I would give. So I'm willing to be disobedient to the Bible because you will not answer my questions. And I am in no way saying that the church is not going to be open about how we spend the money. As a matter of fact, we do that every single year in a, in, a, in a budget meeting that most of you are not in, by the way. But we do that every single year in this budget meeting. But you let the what question stop you from being obedient to what God has called you to do. And this happens in every area of our lives. God, God what is this thing going to look like? For me, I remember being deathly afraid to be married because I was like, God, how in the world am I going to spend the rest of my life? Like, that just seems like 
a long time. Like the rest of my life just seems like a long time. God, what is this marriage going to look like? I, I wish I knew the troubles we were going to have in advance. We spent all this time in premarital counseling, but I wish I knew what the arguments were going to be. I wish I knew there were going to be some ups and downs. God, God what is this thing going to look like? If you would just answer that question for me, I'd be so much more ready to go forward. God, I know you want me to serve and be in a group, but what does that look like? Are they going to ask me about my sin? God, they're going to want me to go in there and be open. They're going to challenge me. They're going to ask me to pray out loud. God, what are they going to do when I finally say yes to being in community? God, what are they going to ask me to do if I finally decide to serve? I start serving at the door one week. Next week, they'll have me up there preaching. I just know it. I know how these churches is, God. They're going to, I give them an inch. They take a mile. What is it going to look like, God? You never know. We might. I'm joking. The point is the what question stops us from being obedient to God. Number, th- number four, number four. Fourth question that stops us from being obedient to God is the who question. God, along this journey, who is going to be around? Who is going to be involved? Who am I going to gain or lose as a result of my faithful decision to you? Many of us have grown up in church and around church, and you come from a family that even if they're not Christian, they're okay with the idea of Christianity. But there's so many people in the room and so many people in our community where the idea of them turning to Christianity means that they run the risk of losing their entire family, that they run the risk of losing their support system just by saying yes to the saving power of Jesus Christ, let alone the lifestyle that comes along with it. And sometimes that question of who's going to be along for the ride stops us from saying yes to God. God, if I stop going out and drinking now with the fellas, who am I going to hang out with? I've been with these same guys since I was in college. God, who is going to be along for the ride? God, if I, if I tell this girl that this guy I'm dating that I don't believe in sex before marriage... God, it might cause them to walk away. Who am I going to lose as a result of saying yes to what you've called me to? God, who's going to judge me? Who's going to think differently about me? And, And sometimes we let what they are going to think stop us from saying yes to God. Mary had these same questions, I'm sure. God, you know what the law says about women who are found in adultery and what that punishment would be. God, if my husband doesn't believe me, who is going to get involved in this punishment? God, God, what? And Mary had all of these questions, but she resolved that I don't need to know all the details to say yes to God. I just know enough. Here's the last one. And maybe even the hardest one is why. God, why do I have to go through this? God, why did I have to lose the family member? God, why does everybody else get a pass and not me? God, why do I always have to be the responsible person in my family? God, Why do we have to deal with another diagnosis? God, why do we have to deal 
with another blow to our finances. God, everybody else has recovered financially from COVID. Why are we still dealing with the financial ramifications that the pandemic brought? God, why does it feel like everybody else is so happy? Why does it feel like everybody else is so content? Why does it feel like everybody else's children just get it? Why does it feel like everybody else's spouse is so supportive and loving? God, why does it feel like everything? Why, 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 why? What happens is we get so deterred that we start wondering, God, do you even, do you even care? And we let the why question And why is hard? Because most of the time, it's not even tied directly to what God wants you to do. It's tied to some other pain point in your life. And what happens is that pain point overflows, and now I can't say yes to anything because I got this nagging why question in my head and this nagging why question in my heart. So, Pastor Xavier, how do we learn to overcome these questions? How do we get past these barriers that that stop us from saying yes to God? Uh, I don't know all the answers, but I'll tell you what I think Mary did. Uh, I think Mary looked at God's faithfulness in the past, and it gave her confidence to move forward in the present. And that's your second fill in the blank, is that God's faithfulness in the past gives us the confidence to move past our questions. God's faithfulness in the past gives us confidence to move past our questions. Luke chapter number one, verse 49 through 55, Mary starts talking and she starts processing out loud. Some people call this Mary's song. And I want you to listen to what she said and I want you to listen to the verb tense. It says, for the mighty one is holy and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes. Skip down to verse 54. He has helped his servants in Israel and remembered to be merciful. Verse 55. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And what Mary starts doing is she starts with the Lord has been merciful to me. And let me tell you, the first place you start when you need confidence to say yes to God is what he's done in your own life. You start looking at God. I remember how in my childhood you orchestrated some things and I didn't like it, but I see how your plan played out. You start looking at God. There's some punishment that I deserve that you kept away from me. God, there's a job I didn't deserve that you gave to me at some point. God, I wasn't the best dad and I wasn't the best mom, but look at how my children turned out. And you start saying, God, your faithfulness to me in my life gives me the strength to overcome some of these questions. And that's where Mary starts. But then she starts going and she starts recounting the Old Testament, the same Old Testament that I might add that you and I get a chance to read. And she says, God, I saw what you did for Abraham. God, I've heard the stories about what you did for Isaac. God, I know the stories about how you protected Jacob. And God, if you were that powerful and faithful in the past, I'm trusting that you're that powerful now. And you and I have to learn to draw strength from not only our own personal testimony, but from the testimony of those around us and from the testimony of the scripture that we read. This is why the Bible and the book of Hebrews remind us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Everybody that you sit around has a testimony and a story and a journey that the Lord is bringing them on. And their presence, even in this room today, is proof that God is still keeping, guiding, and protecting them along the way. 
Here's ultimately what I think it looks like. <clears throat> and many of you in the room are wondering, how does this brain come up with this stuff? No lie, I go to the hardware store and I just walk around 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour until it jumps out at me. Okay, it's good, I got it. Here's how I think it happens in our life. <clears throat> Here's what we want. We want, God, uh, I wanna follow you and you are powerful enough. How about you just remove my questions? It's not hard for you, God. You're big enough. There's somebody in the room, you're like, I've been doubting God's existence. If he's so powerful, he could show up in a dream like he did for everybody else, and I'd follow him, done. God, if you're so powerful, make yourself known to everybody in this room, and we're done. Remove the questions, and we move forward. But that's not faith. Faith, this is your last fill in the blank, is learning to say yes to God before we know the answers. And so God doesn't want you to remove your questions. This is what he wants you to do. God wants you to say, God, I don't know the why yet. God, I don't know the what yet. God, I don't know the who yet. And God, I don't know how. But I'm going to leave the questions behind. And in the meantime, I'll carry the why with me. And say, God, I just don't know what you're doing, but it's not going to stop me from saying yes. God, I don't know why I have to go through this thing again, but I tell you what, it's not going to stop me from being obedient. God, I don't know why I keep being the one that's chosen and you keep giving me these battles, but this why is not going to stop me from doing what you called me to do. God, I don't know why in the world my marriage is the one that's always under attack, but I tell you what, God, the why is not going to stop me from being faithful. I carry the why with me and it becomes a, a, a sort of my prayer focus. I, I just hide it. I say, God, I still have that question if you ever want to answer it for me. And then here's what happens. Random moments in your life, you see the Lord start to answer your questions and it propels your faith into a new level. Let me give you a reading assignment. Let me give you a reading assignment. In Luke chapter one and Luke chapter number two, there are two times where it says these words very specifically. It says, Mary pondered and treasured these things in her heart. And what happens is every time Mary gets one of her questions answered, it says this, that she ponders and treasures the moment in her heart. And what happens is, Mary said, I had that question up front about what this was going to look like and what it was going to cost. But when the Lord reveals, it becomes a moment of testimony for her. He said, look, I'm pondering and I'm treasuring this moment. And now it becomes a testimony because you say, I remember there was a time where I asked the Lord why, and I didn't get the answer. But all these years later, five, 10, 15 years later, God, I see what you were doing. God, I didn't know what you were doing in the middle of that pain. I didn't know what you were doing in the middle of that addiction. I didn't know what you were doing in the middle of that lack. I didn't know what you were doing in the middle of the divorce. God, I felt abandoned. God, I felt abused. I felt lonely. I felt lost. I didn't know what you were doing while I was in college, and I was lost, and I was wayward. But 10, 12, 15 years later, God, I see why. And I ponder and I treasure that moment. And I say, God, if you can answer that question, these questions mean nothing to my yes. Church, what would it look like if all of us made a commitment today? God, before I know the answer to all of my questions, my answer to you is yes. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we sit here as a room full of people, God, who don't have all the answers. And God, first and foremost, what we acknowledge is that you are powerful. 
you are all-knowing and that every decision that you make is the best one and that everything in our life God you either caused it or you allowed it so God thank you for always doing what's best God in the middle of our questions in the middle of our burdens can you help us to say yes to you it's in Jesus name we pray everybody together say it